thanks for coming on to the podcast, Bob. It's great to have you here. And it'd be fantastic to hear a little bit from you around what transformation means to you and a little bit around your experience of transformation from a leadership perspective. Well, that's a big question. So let me just start with the word. I mean, to transform, to reform, to re completely restructure to a higher order level. Mm. Trans, you know, to move, you know, to move beyond, uh, transform. So a whole different structure of mind and heart and gut that is of a higher order. And so that's a big deal. And we way underestimate it. We use the language in business. Let's transform the organization. You know, let's transform our leadership. And um, we typically use words like that and don't really get like, okay, we'll shift our paradigm today. Mm. Well, if you get what a paradigm is, it's a whole worldview. And to transform is to be in a very different world. And you hear this a lot with people talking to each other, get in the real world. You're not in the real world. What they're actually saying is, you're not speaking to the real world that I'm in. Mm. You might be speaking to a real world that's prior to that one or transformed, you know, (laughs) another one, but it doesn't make sense at another level. So this notion of transformation of an individual or an organization is a very big deal. And it's a hero or heroine's journey. It's literally a metamorphosis Mm. sense of a butterfly. You know, it it starts out as a caterpillar or larva Mm -hmm. and it ends up crawling across the ground and it ends up winged life. That's complete metamorphosis, complete restructuring of form into higher order form that's capable now of greater agility, greater, Mm. you know, speed, flight, movement, whole different real world. Mm. Mm. What comes up for me as you as you kind of share that is that to transform and transformation is such a powerful word, but I'm sure Quasi could resonate with this. We hear it so much. It's, it's used so much in the wrong context that it gets diluted. We do that all the time in organizations. And then we say we tried it and it didn't work. Mm. We tried purpose. It didn't work. <laughs> we tried this. It didn't work because we don't get a great example. I, I, I started my career with Peter Block. Peter wrote a book in The Empowered Manager. Mm. And what he was really working on was how do we reclaim power in the midst of the patriarchal deal where we give up power? How do we reclaim power? Yeah and come into our own authenticity in the midst of all the competing messages that say, here's how you're supposed to be. Yeah. And be positively political. How do we engage them from a place of purpose, vision, but not renegade? How do we engage in a way that's responsible instead of waiting for a safe place to be great? Very big shift for people in organizations. And it immediately got adopted by the field and turned into how do we empower you? Mm. You know, ring a bell. Now it's safe to speak up. 
So, and, sure. And uh, I remember one woman say, why don't we just ring a bell and then everybody's empowered? And, and then, you know, as she really understood what it was, she said, how did we think we could ever transform this organization without being transformed ourselves? Uh, yeah, that's and, beautiful. And so we don't really get that when we say, let's become an agile organization, that we're signing up for something much bigger than we realize. And um, some organizations take it really seriously and do some amazing stuff. And others don't get that they're signing up for a very significant shift individually and collectively. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, when you dissected the word transform in that essence, you mentioned three words that really kind of summarized it. You mentioned you transform, it transforms the mind, the heart, and the gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which really spells to be is a whole being. Right. Three three core centers. Uh-huh. Head, heart, will, or power, gut, you know, the whole mm-hmm. power center. Mm-hmm. And in the leadership circle profile, you've got three reactive strategies and three creative basic three creatives. So it's it's the same thing. It's heart, head, will mm-hmm. at different levels of real worlds, different levels of consciousness. Mm. All are involved. Right. I think what also comes up for me is when you were talking about organizations not understanding the journey that they're actually on. So I think they take some of these things on in a very superficial way without actually understanding the embodiment of what the journey actually is. And they use words like empower, psychological safety, and it's just often used as a word without the understanding of what the embodiment side of that actually looks like for the organization to be successful. Yeah. We had a woman I can't mention too much here, pharmaceutical company, brilliant uh, scientist, leading edge of, I think, breast cancer research. Right. Uh, close to a breakthrough. Okay. Literally, like, we could... Um, solve this one we're close we're getting close and uh we have this mat you know where we get people out on the mat and it gets a bit of the whole leadership circle profile that gets it very kinesthetic very visceral Hmm. and um in that she said i'm two weeks from leaving now that's a big deal she holds the keys you know right but if we can make this move she walked from reactive to creative as an organization. I'm in. I'm mm. in. I'll stay. Wow. And that's what we see in the organizations that are really doing some really transformational work is they get that they can't transform the organization without being transformed. And there's no way to boot up an agile, engaged, more innovative, Whatever words we want to put on the kind of organization we need to, we know we need to move to in order to thrive in a high, highly complex environment, they get fundamentally that we cannot make that move organizationally as we make it individually and collectively as a leadership organization. Mm -hmm. It just literally won't boot up on a reactive, socialized, 
whatever language you want to put on that level of mind and heart. God, it won't boot up. And that's been the major issue in organization development. And we've done this for years. We create a container for a team to step into mm-hmm. that's held at creative or even integral. They have these extraordinary conversations. They get these breakthrough awarenesses, but they don't know how to hold that and embody that new container. So they go back to an organization that's primarily organized reactively, and it all goes back to normal really quickly. And then they say, well, nobody's serious. No. (laughs) No, actually. Everybody's serious, and there's a journey, and we don't yet know how to embody that in moment to moment in the context of a really well designed container and workshop or team building process or whatever that we're doing, everybody can rise to that level, but then that's not their normative operating system. So they default back to normal and they go back to normal when they go back to the organization. So it's, so organization development has largely missed the developmental imperative in saying, well, let's move from a more patriarchal to partnership or from, you know, high control to more participative or engaged from to more agile. We miss the deep journey that's required of the leaders in the organization to be able to actually allow that to boot up. And definitely I I resonate that and probably quasi can resonate as well in terms of, when we're in an organization, we're creating that space, we're creating that environment for the team to flourish. But often it flourishes to a point where the organization stamps on it or pushes it down and it goes back to that that reactive world and people switch back. And it's really disheartening as well because the, the team, when they're in that state, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of themselves and that authenticity that emerges. Yeah. And as soon as that happens from the organization, you can feel those masks coming back over yeah. and people going back into conformity. Yeah. I used to, when I did a lot of this work, I used to warn the leader that was bringing me in. I'd say, look, if you as a leadership team, don't do the work yourselves. We will empower this organization. We will empower people. We will engage their passion and their commitment to really step in. And if there aren't, if that, if that isn't met with new structures of engagement and leadership orientation that's open to receiving that, they will leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You will lose your best talent. But that's what happens if it's not top down. If it's not in our book, Scaling Leadership, we, we lay it out. You got to start with yourself as the senior mm-hmm. leader and then bring it to your team and really own development, own the culture, own the transformation. And when that happens, then you can really unleash the power in the organization. But if you unleash it and that doesn't happen, it gets squashed and people either disengage, they leave in different ways. They disengage yeah, yeah. or they just yes. go somewhere else, right? Yeah, this is, uh, this is really, really insightful. Thank you very much, Bob. Um, couple of things showing up for me. Uh, again, you mentioned deep journey that organizations, even leadership team members need to go on for self to be able to understand what that means and where they're going. And then just to the point that you just made, I was just curious about if there are certain things 
maybe a, a list of things that you believe truly cultivates true transformation. If this is there, you might have a chance. If anything is lacking, um, then why don't you consider this? Is there any things that you believe cultivates true transformation? There's a video on one of our sites somewhere. This is a very brilliant now CEO. We write it up in our book, Mastering Leadership. It's a 10-year process of transformation from highly reactive, arrogant, brilliant, but arrogant leadership. Actually, in the first uh, profile, then the second one, two years later, actually got worse. (laughs) And we often find that that's when the work begins. First one, eh, I I don't don't need to pay attention to this. Second one, okay, maybe this does apply to me. In the interview on camera, he goes, I, I, I actually didn't think I needed this stuff. But, but that's the kind of mi- stuff you miss when you're that arrogant. And he laughs. And he just laughs at himself. Like, wow, that's transformation. I get, I now see it. I now see the whole um, structure and illusion I was in. And, and it's not that I'm beyond it. I'm working it now every day. Mm. I'm aware that that's a pattern. Mm. And so rather than like, I'll put out my ideas, but I'll, I'll say, look, uh, my tendency is to act like I, I have my mind made up, uh, but I don't, I'm actually really here in, inquiry or I want your opinion and so he's learning and and his profile over 10 years has gone from 30 percentile and you know like in terms of effectiveness ratings from others to 90th percentile and he went from chief operating officer cfo to ceo of another company uh and he forex the value of that company in, in two or three years so that's the kind of stuff you miss when you're arrogant. There's no shame in it. There's no, there's literally just kind of like, wow, find myself uh, funny, you know? (laughs) And that's transformation. It's subtle and yet extremely powerful. So people around him, we wrote this up was say things like I'm on this journey with, because it's the best leadership experience I've had in my career working with him me Uh, that is not what would have been said 10 years earlier brilliant and a pain in the ass very hard to get you know an open conversation because it's already buttoned up so the ability to in developmental language to take perspective on your old pattern or your conditioning your conditioned mind i have to be seen as the smartest guy in the room in order to be to know I'm contributing or to be a valuable person who, no, I don't have to be the smartest guy. In fact, I don't even have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. It's more complex than that. I'm not that smart. (laughs) Let's have a conversation here because there's a lot of smarts in the room and um, that would be the protecting move, right? We call protecting his head where you orient more around your ideas. Right. I'm, okay, I'm brilliant and that makes me valuable. Um, he was high on that. 
uh, there are other forms of it. But when you see it really shift from, I just am good with ideas, but I don't have all the answers. Let's talk. Right. That's a big shift. So that ability to take perspective on it and manage it rather than it running you unconsciously is the move from what Keegan calls socialized mind to self-authored mind mm-hmm. or even the edge of um, integral mind or what we call integral mind he calls it self-transforming that's a very big shift mm-hmm. and it's literally have restructured your identity mm-hmm. um, I am the guy who knows everything and I my brilliance defines me to yeah I got I'm really good at what I do. Okay. But how do I not make that center stage, uh, create space for others and bring out the brilliance and build and build the brilliance. And that's what we really got with scaling leadership. It was that these leaders that are really effective, it's not about them and their technical, rational domain knowledge, capability, intellectual, creative brilliance. It's about how do I, how do I scale that in others? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's a big shift. Uh-huh. And so the first shift in transformation is how am I operating from my conditioning and how do I free up from that and take my gift and bring it into a higher transformed, higher uh-huh. order structure, uh-huh. same gift. Now I'm scaling it to others versus it's all about me. And then in service of what? And that question emerges. uh, What are we about that's bigger than the ego, bigger than me? What matters more than my, more than me, more than my fear, more, you know, more than that. Peter Block, I learned that from him. His book, he started out with, how do we get the real, conversation in the room instead of in the in the meeting room instead of in the bathroom you go to the bathroom (laughs) people go can you believe this unbelievable (laughs) here we go again you know same old same old i mean he's going i mean we're going to undo six months worth of good work here in 10 minutes and and you walk into the meeting and you say how's it going everybody goes fine good yeah yeah great objectives you know And so he really set about to how do we get an honest and authentic conversation? Will Schutz used to jokingly start the meeting with, so let's get clear on what we're going to not tell the truth about today. (laughs) 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 So Peter was working this and um, there was a chorus, basically a chorus of, if I stand up, I'll get shot. You can't do that here. Mm -hmm. And so he immediately moved to the issue of caution. And then he had to get into, well, what's bigger than that? What's bigger than your caution? You love more than you fear. <laughs> but there isn't a bigger why than the, the, the inherent risk of some of these conversations, then you won't have them. Yeah, yeah I love the story you shared about the CEO. And as, as you explained, how he went on that journey, and it almost resonates with me how we seem to get closer to that identity level change. Right. So moving up those logical levels to get closer to that values and those identity level change for himself. Socialized is about how do I, 
how do I be effective or successful from within the kind of current demands of my surround? Mm. It's all about that. The next level, self-authored, especially authored, not from a vision that's been given to me, but I'm self-authoring a vision because it matters now. Yes. And that's a very different operating system than the prior one. Prior one's necessary. We all come into adulthood there. Uh, but at some point, you start to say, well, what do I really care about? I was doing a training for the Pro Project Management Institute. They just asked me to do this two-day authentic leader training. So I did. And I'm preparing the morning before, you know, the first day I'm writing stuff on a flip chart, my back's to the wall, and, and I, I hear the door open. Oh. I don't turn around. So I just hear this. A male voice, very gruff, says, this room arrangement sucks. <laughs> I don't think I can even find a seat in this room. And I'm writing, you know, I'm going, oh man, what are we in for? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out this was the uh, chief technology officer for one of the largest telecommunication companies at that time. States. I didn't know that until, you know, a little bit later into the workshop. He got his 360 feedback. Uh, you can imagine what it looked like, given <laughs> how he presented himself. Very aggressive, very controlling, very arrogant, not very high relationship stuff, you know. And um, so on the next day, I'm uh, kind of prematurely, because we only had two days, asking um, them to get clear on what they want to now create going forward um, that... Uh, from what they've learned. What will you bring into being? This is the vision question, right? And there's a little worksheet and so on, and, and he's not writing anything. He's just looking at it. My first reaction was, yeah, jerk checked out. I mean, I literally, I found myself, I just felt myself dismissing him, and I went, and then I went hmm, maybe that's not the most effective way to respond here. And, um, I walk over to him and I just looked at him and I says, uh, I notice you're not writing anything. Can I be of any help? And he does this. He goes, let's take it outside. <laughs> take it outside. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, we walk out in the corridor outside of the meeting room. I'm like, oh boy, what are we in for? <laughs> and, and now here, the socialized mind coming apart. You've mm -hmm. watched the the great musical um, Les Mis mm. when Javert, Javert can't comprehend that he's been forgiven. Oh. And he ends up killing himself in the movie. Yeah. He literally comes apart at the seams. This guy looks at me and he says, you want to know what I got from this workshop? Let me tell you what I got from this workshop. <laughs> he said, you know, if you want me to write down on that list of, on that list what I a list of results, well, I do that every day. It's a no-brainer. I don't know where this is going. And he says, but if you want me to write down on that list what I really want, I don't know. This is mm -hmm. the chief technology officer for one of the. And then he goes on. I hear the conditioning. He says, yeah. when I was a kid, 
my dad said you're going to college. So I did. When I was in college, I said, be an engineer. The oh. job market is engineering. So I, nobody asked me if I wanted to be an engineer, but I became an engineer. And I was a good engineer. Oh. So um, they said, you know, you're better off if you're hired. Uh, so I became a manager. And I, I climbed and I climbed and I now can chase results with the best of them. I sit at the top of a really large organization and I, re I chase results every day. But if you ask me to write down on that list, what I really want, no tears, tears are in his eyes. He goes, I don't know. Oh, that's powerful. Clue. And then he looked at me like, what do I do with this? Um. That's a coaching. Yes. That's a transformational coaching yeah. moment. So we, you know, we supported him in that. Yeah. But that's the conditioned self that's been all organized around I am my results. I talked earlier about I am my ideas. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who's organized. I am my ability to chase down results, get results, drive results. That, that makes me successful. That's who I am. And all of a sudden, it, it just hits the wall because it's not that I don't have that gift. It's that that gift has me. I'm chasing down results. I don't even know if I care about them anymore. Uh, sounds like a wonderful breakthrough moment. Like well, that. and that's the shift. The shift can happen to, well, then what, what do I care about? Then I can take that gift and put it in service of creating something that really matters now. Mm -hmm. And that moves yes. you from conditioned mind to self-authoring mind. Right? I come in gifted with power and the ability to get results. I've been leveraging that my whole life. You don't give that up, although it feels that way in the transition. I don't know who I am if I'm not doing this. Mm. Right? But now I can put it in service of something higher. And that's mm. the chip. So it's this uh, dual ability to take perspective on what's running me mm. and then in that see that as limited or even illusionary because I'm not my results. Huh. I'm not my ideas. That's, that, those things actually don't define me. I may be good at no. ideas, but I'm not my ideas. Yeah. I may be good at results, but I'm not my results. Mm. I may be good at relationships, but relationships and whether people like me or not don't mm. define me. Mm. And when you can, then you can take your gift and put it in service of, well, if I wasn't so worried about what people think about me in terms of approval, for example, yeah. what would I want to create? What would I stand for? If I wasn't so driven to just create results, what results would I want to really create? Yes. And then you got both. You got the ability to manage the part of me which is overdriven. And what am I really trying to make happen here? And that might actually create space for backing off of my drive mm. so that others can step in. Mm. I suck up all the oxygen. So when we, when we, did our uh, written comment analysis, which was the uh, genesis of the uh, Scaling Leadership book. One of the things we saw in that is that 
most reactive leaders actually had higher scores on drive or passion drive. The comments mixed it up so the researchers couldn't really pull it apart completely. So they put them together, drive and passion. The reactive leaders had actually had higher scores than the creative leaders. So the least effective leaders had higher scores on passion and drive than did the most effective leaders because they're now able to modulate that. It's not that they care thus. In fact, they had higher scores on servant leadership, comments like servant leadership, or uh, in service of the organization's success or other success versus my own. They had high, higher comments on that than reactive leaders. So it's a very different kind of drive. But people experience it as actually less driven because they're creating space for others. Others. <laughs> they're scaling that into the organization. It's not all about me and my ambition. Uh, so um, that's a. If you don't make that shift, agility doesn't boot up. You can do all the agile structure stuff you want. <laughs> if you don't make that shift, you don't create the conversation that's actually an agile conversation. Mm, absolutely. Yes, such a powerful piece. I think what where I had a few times as well is, and I think you discussed it in the beginning, is that real purpose about what the person wants and that vision. How have you experienced that's been tied into the transformation journey? Well, I, let me speak to my own. Early, early years, I reported to a senior team. I was director of organization development in an organization. And I, don't, I won't get into the whole story, but I got, you know, culture survey feedback that said, you know what, you're as screwed up as the organization. Your organization is a microcosm of the organization. And, um, that was actually the genesis of all of my, of this work for me, really uh, dropping in. And what I got, it took some time, but what I really realized was I want to lead. I want to be a, a you know, a, a agent of change. And um, I want everybody to like me. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's a must. They have to like me all the time or else. And the or else is I'm um, worthless because I had my identity tied up with my worth equals my identity equals your perception. Mm. So I want to consult to you, especially senior people. If we're going to shift, you need to shift. I need to be in that conversation with you. And I want you to like me all the time. Uh. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, underneath that is an illusion that my worth is in your hands. This is the socialized mind. It's outside in. Uh-huh. It's other authored. Mm-hmm. And you define me. Uh-huh. And whether you uh, accept me or like me or whatever, that defines me. So not to be liked or accepted is not to be. When I saw that, I realized that's an illusion. That was the first step. And then the, ne- then the very next question is, well, what would you do if you could? If that weren't so important, what would you stand for? If I wasn't so worried about what they thought, what would I say in this meeting? How would I show up in this meeting? And that's the polarity, right? Between safety and purpose or between, you know, between taking perspective on the illusion and then what do I want? So the first step is, what do I want? Right. So moving to that. So I did that. I was passionate about what I want. What I didn't see was my closet controller. <laughs> that other part, the other half of, well, that other third of me, yes. that was still in reactive, 
running the show. Now I'm the guy and I'm running an organization. I got my, I'm a sole proprietor. I got a business I'm running. I got colleagues that work for me and I got a new vision I'm all excited about. I'm writing it all down on a flip chart. I call one of my colleagues, her name was Barbara, and then I call her up and I go, I'm telling her all about it. And I'm talking. <laughs> 10 minutes in, she hasn't said a word. I said, Barbara, you haven't said anything. She goes, uh-huh. You don't sound very excited about this. She says, I'm not. And I said, well, what do you mean you're not? She goes, well, it's your vision. And I said, well, well, yeah, I know it's my vision, but how come you're not excited about it? She said, um, think about it for just a minute. No edge here. Just think about it. In my five years of being in relationship and association with you, have you once asked me what I want <laughs> for that association? <sighs> so there is the sh shift into more self-authoring. I was self-authoring a vision, but I was still subject to the part of me which says, it's mine, uh, not ours. Uh, and so when I got off the call, I was really angry. I was really angry. And I had learned enough about how to track my conditioned mind to sit down at that moment and write it down. Uh, Here's what I'm saying to myself right now. Uh, and I heard myself say, who the hell does she think she is? <laughs> I would never let go of this business to the likes of them. No. They'd run it into the ground. They don't have a clue. There's, and then it's a slippery slope to failure. And failure's not an option because I'm my, I'm my results. And so... There's no, and then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm out talking about in, engagement, empowerment, involvement, <laughs> and I'm running my own show like this because there's no way I would let go to the likes of them. I'm just controlling, <laughs> as the most controlling manager I've ever tried to coach. Wow. Then I became more effective at working with leaders who were running into their high control tendencies. Mm. And like, well, welcome to the club. I have them too. <laughs> uh, let's talk. So it isn't so much even just authoring the vision. It's then how do we move into we? Mm. So you move from being authored to now it's my job as a leader to set the direction to no, it's my job as a leader to orchestrate the conversation. <laughs> just that I don't have an opinion or a position on that, but I'm also open at the same time so it's a conversation <laughs> that leads us collectively toward a vision that's bigger than any one of us came into the room with when i've watched that happen a number of times uh where people come in the leader starts out here's here's what we got to accomplish you know can you just hold off on that for a minute <laughs> and two days later they're sitting around in one case with this group we wrote this up uh we didn't mention the organization they got tears in their eyes. They're looking at each other going, oh, we have such an opportunity to change the whole industry here. And none of us had this walking in the room. Nobody, including the CEO. He was as stunned as everybody else. So all he did was step back and invited or allowed us to create the space to allow people to step in. And this whole conversation emerged. And they were looking at a vision that was far bigger 
uh, more compelling than any of them expected walking out of that, walking into that meeting. If you look at what Warren Bennis said it isn't in his book on becoming a leader, it isn't so much the leader charts the vision, the leader orchestrates the conversation with lots of listening to their various stakeholders and a vision then congeals that's mm-hmm. both strategic that will allow the organization to thrive and lofty because it captures people's deep commitments. It's worthy yeah. of their, their lifeblood. Huh. And that's, that's the role. But we, we, there's a progression there from being awesome <laughs> to I'm the vision, you know, I have it, to no, I need help with it. Yeah, I think as soon as you shift as well and you start to invite people into that conversation, they're much more invested in it because it's their vision. It's no longer something that you're putting on them. They're, they're yeah. part of creating it. Yep. I think, quite, again, quasi resonates sometimes. I find in organizations that the leaders will say, you're empowered to create a vision, but it's often only if the vision is something that they've already created in their own mind. As soon as it's different, then the vision has to change. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not really giving that vision over and, as you said, orchestrating the conversation. Oh. It's you're almost just using words to play a game and you want your vision to emerge. Yeah, that's a trap. Mm. Easy to fall into it. I'm speaking personally. <laughs> <laughs> Very easy. <laughs> We have a track record of some success and we want we and we're passionate about it and it oftentimes takes some people saying, Oh no, step back for a minute. I had a a woman that worked for me, she was running our operations and she came over and says, I want to run something by you. It was a pretty new and different radical shift. I don't actually remember the content, but I was like yes butting her through most of it. And she's finally stopped and said, Bob, you're not listening. I need you to just step back for a minute and listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Because I think I'm onto something. Mm. She was dead on. I think I like that, the fact that you shared that reflective practice as well of actually looking back for yourself and understanding the thoughts that are playing out in your mind, kind of how that looks to understand like where you are and to build that awareness of your own development so you can figure out how you move from, you know, the, the subject of where you are, if you're looking at subject object to the object of where you might want to move to. Right. Well, and you use subject object, that's Keegan language, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in the field, but Keegan has used that a lot in his work. And that's what, what's really interesting about Bob is that he, he's one of the best and theorists on stage of development and research on adult development. Hmm. his work now he kind of left that behind he'll talk about it but what he's really passionate about is this book community to change for example where he said Hmm. here's the process by which you can make the shift (laughs) four columns and the four columns are getting clear on what you're making up Hmm. competing commitments what's underneath those the one big assumption right all yeah. that is this, it's a just a different way of talking about the same process. How do we get perspective on what has us that we didn't know has us? That's actually a competing commitment with what we think we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So he really shifted to how do we help people 
get perspective. And then, of course, this next book or most recent book is on developmental organizations. They did research on organizations that have designed their cultures and stru structures and cultures, processes, so that they're deliberately developmental. Everybody wow. in the organization is expected to and supported in developing. <laughs> Quite so, powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, one thing for me, um, hearing everything you said is just is just amazing. Um, the, the 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 powerful question of taking moment as a leader to even just ask the question, "What do you want to anyone or even to self?" Mm -hmm. um, in and then coupled with that, in service of what? That's really powerful. Right. Really. really and powerful. and how am I the problem? Mm. Right? Yeah. How am I canceling myself out or in the way yeah. from, from that? So if you look, this goes way back to uh, Tom Peters, you know, in search of excellence, he wrote up Ralph Steyer. It's interesting. I was just at Notre Dame today. Notre Dame business and the exec ed center is called the Steyer center because yeah. uh, uh, Ralph uh, made a contribution uh, Ralph Steyer was the, I think their family, and he was the CEO of Johnsonville Sausage. And, mm. and that's quite a story of an organization that was quite patriarchal and people were unhappy and miserable and what culture was, you know, mm. to one where um, there were no managers. Right. <laughs> they literally got rid of the entire hierarchy and created teams of people that were developing and so on. It was a very bold experiment. And it all started with what he called terrible truth number one, uh, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the CEO, and if people aren't happy here and productive here, oh. I'm the problem. <laughs> wow. And we work with a great CEO, brilliant guy. I mean, just amazing person and really talented. But in the downturn of the market, when turned down in 08 and 09, he went reactive. Mm. And his profile went from a 90% effectiveness profile to about 50%. Wow. And when he got those results, uh, he got them about two days before my partner Bill met with him. And Bill walked in the room and he goes, I get it. I'm the problem. At a time when the organization most needed me to be creative, I went minus. I went reactive. Right. And Furthermore, I arrogantly thought that my leadership could carry the day and I, I didn't scale leadership. I'm not scaling leadership. I need to change. When that kind of transformation in the organization starts with me as the senior leader, I have as much to learn here as anybody. The organization's performance is a reflection of how I'm showing up and leading and I take that on openly, transparently, vulnerably. We, we see it as radical humanity. Then I invite others. It's like we're in a fundraising campaign right now around climate change. And it's really hard to go out and raise funds if you haven't contributed. That's the whole with the self. When you, throw in, when you throw in a big chunk of money, you go, okay, now I can go out. <laughs> Maybe thinking about throwing in a chunk of money. 
same thing with leadership. People then you say, well, I bring it then to the team. They get that you're in and they join. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the whole team on uh, what is it we need to learn and how can we help each other learn to be more effective collectively in how we lead this organization. Then you're on to it. And that's uh, a big shift. So the CEO becomes the chief development officer. It's not, <laughs> yeah. not HR. HR is a valuable ally and support, but it's not HR or, you know, OD. It's, no, I'm responsible for development, and I have the most to learn here. Let's get going. That's when it shifts. Such a powerful message and I definitely resonate with the, yeah. the fact of that leader at the top of the organization. If they can embody it and they can represent it, if fractals right the way through. Yep. And exactly. It, and that's what we helps. see. We've come into that from watching leaders step into that. I mean, we, I've told you a couple of stories, mm. you know, the, the 10 year story of, you know, yeah. I used to be, it's the kind of thing you miss when you're that arrogant. That, <laughs> you know, and yeah. Taking that on. And then leading from there has uh, been a big deal. If you were to think about the leaders out there who are going on this journey or thinking of going about going on this journey, what is the advice you would give them starting out? Don't underestimate it. Even the way we frame it, start with self, go to team, you know, team on teams. It's yeah. deceptively simple and don't underestimate it. It's um, hard work, it's gutty work, it's life work. You'll be working it your whole life. And don't delegate it. Don't sponsor it. Leaders often sponsor change. And they, you know, make the presentations and they, they're genuine in their support for it and they genuinely care about it and so on. Huh. Hasn't yet come home to, no, we're the problem. We uh, need change the organization is a microcosm of the senior team yes. um, or the senior leadership organization. And so we really need to own that and take that on. And then the, the last piece I might say is it's a spiritual, it's, a, it's worth it. It, it, uh, it will transform you. It will transform your family or relationships. We hear this all the time. Uh, all the time from leaders who say I never could relate to my autistic son and now I can and it's it's just transformed my relationship with my son and we hear that so often uh, because how you do anything is how you do everything and so uh, hmm. where, where you're stuck and showing up at, in, at work is not different than at home and I had one I was we did a workshop in an organization where we did it with the managers and so powerfully said, well, let's do it with our spouses. Oh, and this spouse comes in and she, we're getting introduced and she says, I got a bone to pick with you. <laughs> I've been trying to tell him this my whole marriage and he has three days with you and, and he gets it. <laughs> and then she went on to talk about how different he is oh. as a husband and how that's made such a difference in their marriage. So she was giving me a hard time, but she was also saying, wow, uh, thank you. Thank you, yes. <laughs> and, and I'm in for what I want to learn about all this, you know, to be a better partner. We hear this a lot. Start with yourself. It'll cost you. It's, don't underestimate it. And then it's worth it. Um, mm. 
will transform. If you really dive in, it will transform. Brilliant. Your whole life in ways that you look back and go, wow, that was so, I'm so different now. And, and again, everything that you kind of mentioned just really resonates with me in terms of that identity level shift, really becoming part of their identity moving forward. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. 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 And, and especially when, when it's fully transformative like that, it's just like, it's not just limiting to work environments. It's taking no. over. Well, this would be a whole additional conversation, but I'll just put out a little teaser. Oh. Uh, identity itself is an illusion. Mm. So you say, well, you got to get rid of ego, that, that socialized mind or react. That's ego. You got to let go of ego. No, well, creative mind is just another <laughs> higher order structure of ego. So is uh, self-transforming or what we call integral leadership. And ultimately in the, in the spiritual traditions, uh, ego dissolves. Mm, right. It's there. There's nobody really the whole idea that I'm somebody that needs to be defended or projected is an illusion and it's an expensive one. So, uh, each step in the process is a, stripping away of a layer of who I thought I had to be in order to be okay and safe and no, this is who I am. No, in the Eastern tradition, it's nete, nete, no, not, not me, not me. Mm. No, this is who I am. No, not me. So I, I am my social, I am my results, I am my relation. No, no, I am my vision, my authentic self. No, I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm the whole bandwidth of shadow and light and dark and masculine feminine well that's more true than earlier but no and so the journey is one of no self well only five percent of leaders will lead from a place of what we call uh what keegan calls self-transforming it's post-creative right or post uh, self-authored only about five percent will lead from there and we're now with Jennifer Garvey Berger, myself, and some others, we're going to do a big research project on how, how do those leaders lead. So we want right. to get me- measures on them and then really interview them and get to know them and say, well, what makes that level so both necessary in today's world and extraordinary? Mm. Uh, we'll see. That's going to be a big project. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, these conversations are great. It's great yeah, to hear so. your perspective. And for me personally, just how much it resonates with what I see, my own perspectives and beliefs yeah. kind of in this space. So yeah. just fantastic to, yeah. to have this conversation with you, really. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Very much resonate. Very useful. Very, very insightful. And uh, yeah, very enriching as well. Thank you. Thank you. What a fun conversation. Yeah. Thanks, for, thanks for taking the time out and yeah, coming on today. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.